Hello and welcome to Talking Logistics, where we have conversations with thought leaders and newsmakers in the supply chain logistics industry. It's my great pleasure to welcome to the program Doug Surrett, who is Chief Product Strategist at Blue Jay Solutions. And today we're going to talk about stop thinking micro, maximize your savings with macro optimization. Now, uh, Doug was uh, on the program not, not too long ago where we were talking about transforming your supply chains into global trade networks. And this concept of macro versus micro optimization came up. And I want to kind of take a, the opportunity to maybe do a little bit deeper dive on that because, you know, optimization is a topic that, uh, you know, it's been around for a long time. There's a lot of misconceptions about it. There's a lot of different dimensions to it. Right. And then when you kind of bundle in the fact that you, you're hearing things like artificial intelligence or predictive analytics, uh, machine learning, and all these other kind of emerging technologies that kind of you can say fall on the umbrella of optimization. I think there's a lot that uh, is happening in this area and, and trying to figure out, you know, where things are heading and, and ultimately what the value is for, for companies out there is important. So, uh, Doug, thank you again for uh, making the time to be in the program. Thank you very much for having me. Appreciate it. So, so Doug, let, let's start by defining, you know, micro and micro and macro optimization. I mean, what exactly is the difference between the two? So uh, it, it really is a reflection of the kind of the, uh, I'll say the universe of, of data that's in play at the time that you run it. So uh, micro optimizations, traditionally what people do today in terms of, you know, running, running their orders and their shipments through an optimization engine. Uh, so, so it's really a focus on a single network. And that's, I think, the big difference, right? So micro-optimization is focusing on a single network where macro-optimization is looking across multiple networks. Um, and, uh, you know, a real simple example would be, uh, you know, a shipper who might have a TMS that has a really good optimization engine. Um, so when they run their, you know, their, their optimization process, they're, they're optimizing that network, that one network that they have. Uh, so that's, that's really by definition what, when we talk about micro versus macro, that's really what we're talking about. Great. So, you know, I think, um, you know, there's, there's different perspectives there. So I, I think if, just to paraphrase, right? So really you're looking across your four walls of your organization when you're doing macro optimization versus within the Correct. four walls of your organization, let's say, Correct. or within, you know, your own set of trading partners. Um, and then I think, you know, you could also look at it, and I wonder if this is kind of another dimension to how you think about it. You could also look at, about, at it in terms of breaking down the silos between transportation and warehousing and global trade management, as an example. For sure, for sure. And, and so the one, the one is a very siloed, you know, by definition, it's a very siloed process, uh, whereas the other one is very informed by data from the outside. And, uh, and, and they're just two very different scenarios. Um, you know, we, we, we think that, and certainly we talk a lot about this, that in the micro scenario, you will, you will certainly get optimization. You'll get, you'll get good results from that. But there's a cap to the level of savings and the level of efficiency that you can get because there's a finite amount of data to work with. But as soon as you get outside that finite amount of data and you start bringing in other, other data sets to combine uh, if you will, with the data that you're optimizing. Now, suddenly the potential gets a lot bigger and the opportunity for savings grows, the opportunity for efficiency grows. Um, and the, the, the competition, if you will, for assets uh, starts to decline. You know, one of the challenges we have today, and we see this in, in, uh, in any, any market where you have fixed amount of capacity, 
um, uh, you know, we have oftentimes the same shippers literally bidding on the same capacity, the same truck, right? And neither of them needs 100% of the truck, um, but they both end up, you know, one of them outbids the other one for that asset, overpays for it, and uh, sends the truck, you know, 50% full. So, uh, you know, that's a clear example of where micro-optimization practically is, is not effective because it's, it's, it's not established a true sort of equilibrium in the supply chain between de demand and supply. And so the macro view of the world is, is really about how do you set that proper equilibrium? But you can only do that when you're looking across multiple sort of disparate individual networks at one time. And so that's the macro view is, is kind of taking all of that into account as opposed to looking at one, one small network by itself in isolation. Right. So, I mean, it suggests, you know, building on the topic of our previous conversation that, you know, macro optimization really falls in the realm of a global trade network uh, or network based being part of a network based environment, right? Because that way you're part of a broader community of other shippers um, and other trading partners, not just those that are part of your existing network, but, you know, trading partners, carriers, freight forwarders, suppliers, and so forth that are part of the network that might be supporting other shippers and other companies as well, right? Exactly right. And, and it can be, you know, there can be sort of uh, various uh, evolutions of this. You know, we, we met with one client who uh, is a very, very large shipper, uh, you know, somewhere on the order of $2 billion annually in freight spends, obviously a very, very large company. Um, part of the way that they got to be this big was through acquisition. So they would have, they have different brands, right? They have brand X, brand Y, brand Z. Well, each of those brands has their own ERP system. They each have their own warehouse management system. They each have their own set of distribution centers, right? And so they, they are a sort of a microcosm of this problem, right? They operated 15 different micro networks. And even in their own company, they weren't sharing assets. They were competing, literally competing for the same assets. Um, and so, again, you know, they're, they're starting to look at this as a, as a holistic network approach. And for someone that large, obviously, they're going to get immediate savings and immediate benefit by doing that. Um, and they said to me, you know, once you help us sort of macro-tize our own network, then we're, you know, then we're really interested in kind of bringing it to the, you know, the, even the, the next level beyond that. So, um, you know, there, there can be an evolutionary way to, to, to do this, but, but it's really about, like you said, it's, it's looking at the entire universe of, of suppliers and forwarders and carriers, the, the, all of the capacity that's out there, and marrying that with all of the demand in, in the most intelligent way. Um, now, it doesn't mean you have to necessarily run all of the data through the optimization at one time. Um, one of the, I think one of the tenets of, of, uh, of macro optimization is first allow micro optimization to sort of do its best, if you will. So to take, take the, um, take the approach of letting the individual individual network make its first best attempt. And, and oftentimes there's, there's certainly going to be savings there. There's going to be good benefits in doing that. Um, but the degree to which that doesn't yield the, the, the result that it needs to, then let the, the macro network kind of take over. So it doesn't have to be an all or nothing kind of, a, of an approach. Um, both can kind of coexist at the same time, which I think makes the concept a much easier concept to, to take on and internalize versus thinking, you know, it's, it, it's truly all or nothing, one, one or the other. Yeah, no, I, I like those, those, those two points. You know, first, the fact that there's a lot of companies that, that are already very 
you know, heterogeneous internally that almost operate as separate companies, but they're all under the same umbrella that right. could benefit from kind of taking this more holistic, you know, macro uh, view. And then secondly, it's not a, uh, you know, all or nothing, you know, right. type of ploy. It's really trying to see where you can find that, the, that incremental, um, right. you know, opportunities that go beyond what the micro approach, uh, you know, might bring forth. I mean, it sounds to me that this is really kind of opening the door to particularly when you start going outside your four walls, you know, opening the door to uh, externally to en en enhance collaboration opportunities, you know, with other shippers or better collaboration with, with other carriers and, and logistic service providers. And then even internally, going back to the internal opportunities, you know, better opportunities between inbound and outbound, domestic and international, yep. different modes that sometimes companies, uh, you know, uh, micro optimize around. Right. Is that what you're seeing as well? Exactly what we're seeing. And, and that, that's where, you know, somebody who's a kind of an old uh, logistics junkie like myself, it gets very exciting, right? The opportunities become really, really uh, in, uh, powerful. And, and, uh, and there's, there's sort of an endless list, if you will. Uh, one of the other uh, opportunities that, that we see that exists, uh, and it's a, just a real simple example, but, but when you start to think about it, it, it makes perfect sense. Um, you know, we have a number of customers who are uh, heavy small parcel shippers, and and just so happens we have a good number of them who are in the Chicago area, and uh, you know those customers uh, by themselves operate you know dozens of little micro networks. Now in the small parcel world, you think, well, how in the world can you benefit from a macro network in a small parcel arena, right? Well, one of the opportunities that is very exciting when you start to talk to these customers is, is each of them individually would never be able to take advantage of, let's say, a zone skipping model. But if I put all 50 of them together, let's say, uh, and, and, and they're all of the same mind, suddenly I can do with all 50 of them something that they would never be able to do on their own. And so the, the power that, that sort of combined uh, you know, movement of parcel shipments across the United States suddenly looks very different than each, each of them in, you know, operating individually on their own. So there's so many different ways you can think about this uh, in terms of moving from micro to macro, it's not just about, you know, sort of uh, LTL truckload or, or, or just about ocean or just about air or just, about, there's, there's really kind of an infinite way of looking at it. So we, we think the the power of the network is really driven by the, uh, the diversity, the, the depth and the breadth of the network and the capability to bring to the network lots of, of, of options and capabilities that aren't necessarily modal dependent. Um, and so, you know, micro macro is, is, is an important concept. And, and we're saying, um, you know, you got to get away from the old thinking about just micro optimization. Will you get benefit from that? Sure, you will. And there are times when you need to maybe start there. Uh, but if that's where you stop, then you're missing out on a, on a significant opportunity. And it's not just about cost savings, right? It's, as I said earlier, there's sort of this um, uh, false uh, uh, level of supply and demand built into the, the, the market today because there is no true equilibrium. You literally have different companies outbidding each other for the same assets. So how can we, how can we help that uh, to, to, to go down? I, I would argue that everybody wins in the sense that I can get better, better rates for those who are buying the services and I can get more, um, uh, you know, I can get capacity that's, that's better utilized for the providers of, of, of services. So it's, it's, I think it's a scenario where everybody wins. So that's really what we're, you know, we're trying to promote is this idea that, 
that both sides of the of the equation that the supply and demand equation can really benefit so you know um you know as i think about this you know uh, you know and people listening they might say well you know you know that might sound like something that theoretically or historically a 3pl would would position themselves as being able to kind of look across customer networks and and be able to uh, ma- macro optimize um you know uh, who takes the lead role in helping that is it the network provider so in, in your case obviously with uh you know uh, blue j solutions you know global trade network i mean would you would you take that role is it something that a, a 3pl powered by your network solution would take the role how, how would that work yeah so we it's a it's a role that we're we're taking ourselves to lead um and we want uh you know we don't we don't want it that to, to, to be in competition with a 3PL necessarily. We, we think that the power of what we bring would enable a 3PL to do what they're trying to do more effectively. Um, so I, I use the example of uh, uh, somebody who's maybe doing, you know, uh, importing products in the United States. Now, this could be a 3PL who's working on behalf of, of their shipper clients, or, you know, maybe they have Maybe they have a dozen shipper clients who are all bringing stuff into the United States, and they can they can look across that universe. That's their, you know that twelve customer universe to find opportunities. But within the Blue Jay network, we might have fifty other companies who are also importing into the United States. So we're saying you know you, you really have the potential to go well beyond what maybe one provider can do on their own. And it's it, again, it's not that we're competing with the three PLs. We're saying we can give you access to capacity and and tools to help you do that even more effectively than you can do it by yourself. Um, so our, it is not our goal, and certainly our our interest in in uh, replacing logistics providers. In fact, we 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 welcome them to the network. We want them to to gain access and to benefit from it. Um, but it's a different way of thinking about things. And so they may find themselves in some cases sharing capacity with a competitor. Um, but in the end, both of them come out of it with, with better, you know, savings for their customers, better, better service. And, and again, uh, kind of establishing a, a sort of a better equilibrium in the, in the marketplace than what exists today. Right. Right. So, so what's required ultimately, you know, let's talk a little bit about perhaps some of the technology, uh, you know, behind this. I mean, what's required to enable, you know, macro optimization. Yeah, so certainly there's some, you know, there's some fundamental optimization technology that has to come into play, right? Um, but but it's a, it, it's, it's, it's all about having access to the data when it needs to be optimized. And so I think this is, this is a point that often gets overlooked um, when you start to think about optimization. Um, fundamentally, optimization is a process that looks at a set of data and produces a, a, a sort of an optimal set of, of results. And so in, in, the, uh, in, in the arena that we're in, it's really important to have a, uh, a cloud solution, if you will, that has access to the data when it's ready to be optimized. So if, if you have a, for example, a, a bunch of disparate offline, separate on-premise implementations of, of, a, of any software, it's gonna be very difficult to collect the data when it needs to be collected and run it through an optimization process and then spit that back out to the execution systems that need to execute it. So from a technology perspective, one really foundational thing is uh, obviously is having a single, you know, multi-tenant instance of, in a cloud solution where you can, you have a- easy access to that data and quick access to the data, if you will, to, uh, to optimize it. Um, but sort of even more foundationally than that, it, it's really important to have, um, 
the the thinking sort of lined up around where do I want the micro optimization process to stop, if you will, and the macro optimization to take over. And so part of that involves just real simple rules that, that need to be built into whatever technology you're using. So, you know, when I run through my micro optimizer, if I, if, if I want to use that term, and uh, I come out of it with a 92% efficient plan, um, I need to have a way of, of figuring out what I'm going to do. Am I going to redo the whole plan or am I going to take the 8% and hand it off to a secondary uh, process that maybe takes into account everybody else's network? And so, so part of the technology uh, solution there is, is, is sort of automating to, to the degree you want to automate that process of deciding when to kick things out of sort of the, optim, the micro uh, process and, and, and kicking them over to the, you know, the macro engine. So, um, you know, it's, again, that's not necessarily uh, hard to do, but you have to put some thought into that as an organization. When, when do I want to let uh, my, my micro process do what it can do versus, uh, you know, realizing that there's a point at which that thing is going to be, is going to be limited in terms of what it can ultimately produce. So we, we like to think that, um, you know, we can help customers get a level of, of efficiency and a level of savings that they just, they just would never be able to get on their own um, because now the macro process can look at a much bigger set of data when it runs. So, but doesn't mean we can't still do some optimization at the, at the local or at the micro level, but, but that's not the end of it. Right. And, and it would seem that, and I know we talked, you know, talked a little bit about this in, in our previous conversation. I mean, kind of the foundational prerequisite for this is, is really getting that access to that data um, and information and being able to then communicate, share, collaborate data, information, documents, you name it with all the trading partners that are part of your, your ecosystem right. or those that you want to bring on board, right? So onboarding and having a network of trading partners is part of kind of the, the foundation to all this. A absolutely. And, 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 and you have to do this quickly, right? It, you, you can't take three days to optimize some shipments and hope that everybody can wait those three days while, right? So the world has changed. I mean, the, the lead times are short. The demand times for delivery are very, very, very short as well. So um, this, it, it, it is about having access to the data, as you said, and it's about being able to process that quickly and then get back to all of the, the parties that have been impacted by the, the optimized results the service providers, the, you know, the, the shippers, the forwarders, the carriers, everybody that's playing a role in that, in that now combined network strategy. Um, so again, it ha you know, having this in a bunch of disparate disconnected systems would be very difficult to do. I'm not saying it's impossible, but it would be very difficult to pull off and hope that you can actually execute what comes out of a macro optimized uh, uh, approach. Now, now, you already, you know, you kind of shared some examples, but I'll, I'll ask the question anyway, you know, just to see if you can provide some, you know, additional examples of, of macro optimization yep. and action and, and kind of the, the kind of benefits it provides. Yep. So, so obviously one big benefit is savings, right? Um, so, and I'll give you a real simple example, but uh, it's not an uncommon scenario and many of your, your uh, viewers will, will probably identify with this. Certainly in the U.S. we have, you know, this phenomenon where we'll have, uh, so, sort of committed capacity by a truckload carrier, right? So carrier X uh, agrees to give me, you know, a, a truck a, a week in the, let's say the Ohio to, you know, Pittsburgh uh, or, or Pennsylvania area. And, um, and yet 
on a given week, suddenly they don't have capacity. Well, why is that? Is it because they really don't have trucks or is it because they they are monitoring the spot market and they found that they can get 25% more, uh, you know, from a revenue perspective because the spot markets where, you know, where the demand is. So, um, and, and at the same time, the shippers that are relying on that capacity don't need the entire truck. Um, so, so what we're, what we're saying is whether it's, whether it's a uh, eliminating deadheading or, uh, you know, so we want to come back with a full truck as opposed to coming back empty, which is clearly beneficial for the carrier, right? Carrier just don't want to travel empty. And, and frankly, they have to build some notion of empty miles into their pricing in the first place. So if we can, if we can work with the carrier so that they're traveling full all the time, um, and not having to factor in empty miles into their, into their pricing, um, and the, the folks that are consuming those services don't have to pay for a full truck when they only need half a truck or don't have to pay for a round trip when they really only need a full, you know, one way trip. Um, then again, everybody's benefiting. So it's a very simple example, but it's just a real tangible way to see how there could be savings for the consumers of the service, but also benefit for the provider of the service. Again, I think if you talk to carriers, they would say their number one goal is to, is to not travel empty. Certainly, uh, whenever possible, because that's there's no revenue in in those movements, or at least not direct revenue. So, so it's a real simple example, but but it's a tangible way to see it. And we we do this today with with a number of our customers, and we we look for opportunities to pair an outbound movement, let's say, with an inbound movement, or to look for a truck that's moving one direction full and coming back empty. And uh, and we'll work across multiple shippers to bring that together, so that the the shippers who normally uh, are, are, you know, don't have capacity, suddenly now have capacity, but it's at a, it's at, it's at a price that makes sense. It's at a price that reflects, a, as I said earlier, kind of a new equilibrium in the market as opposed to two, two shippers bidding on each, you know, against each other for the same asset. So there's lots of other opportunities for this, lots of other examples. That's a real simple one. Um, you know, forwarders for years have tried to establish um, a, kind of a, that same concept in the ocean arena. But again, each forwarder's operating in their own network, right? They're, those that are doing consolidation are only doing it for the customers that they interact with. Um, and so, uh, you know, we're, we're saying, think about it a little differently. And if we can work outside of traditional, perhaps even across the line with a competitor, uh, those, those traditional boundaries, and, and think about the world differently, suddenly there becomes all kinds of opportunity uh, that, that are, that are, um, you know, just not available to, to companies today because they, they can't see outside that competitive boundary. Right. Right. I mean, I think to me, you know, I think what's clear is when you look at all the, everything that's going on in the industry, right. I think we talked a little bit about e-commerce in the last conversation and it's, it continues to be the topic of conversation in the, in the industry, yeah. whether it's the Amazon effect or, you know, you, you just see the ripple effects that it's happening, that's happening not only in retail, but in manufacturing with more manufacturers getting into drop shipping, as an example, you see what's happening in the freight forwarding, you know, community uh, happening there. And I think that the, the recognition is, or the recognition should be that, gosh, you know, the way that we've been operating historically, the systems that we've been using historically, uh, our perspective or approach to the market that we've historically employed, um, it's not going to, get us to where we need to be, you know, moving forward because, you know, I, I hate to, to use the kind of the cliche that the rules of success have changed, but 
I, it, they have, right? And, and um, you know, I think the smart companies are the ones that are, uh, because historically change management, no matter what, has always been the big hurdle, right? It's always difficult to kind of move away from the status quo because you're comfortable, it's easy, you know, you don't want to create any kind of disruption internally. But I think those companies that are leading the way are the ones that are saying, you know what, we've got to create some disruption internally and start changing things in order to succeed moving forward. Yeah, you know, one of my favorite um I mean, there's so many we could we could talk about a lot. But one of my favorite illustrations of of what's happening in the market is is the blockbuster video versus Netflix example, right? I mean, for years, if you wanted to rent a movie in the U.S., you went down to your local blockbuster store and you rented a video and you took it home and you watched it and you returned it. And um, and and you know, th- this is a classic case study of a company sort of seeing what was happening around them, but not reacting and not not adapting to what was going on. And, and our industry is in it really in that same place right now. We're, we're undergoing massive change. You know, the Amazon effect you talked about, the, uh, the demand for instant delivery, same-day delivery. I want, you know, I want to be able to order Christmas gifts for my kids and have them show up tomorrow between 4 and 6 p.m., you know, that kind of thing. Um, and, and, and I want to monitor it all the way through, and I want to see it clearing customs, and I want to see it arrive at my house. The, the expectations that consumers have, largely driven by what, some other companies in the industry, such as Amazon, Alibaba, and others, are doing it. It has changed the industry, and uh, and our customers, and 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 those who are uh, you know in our space have to realize, and, and are starting to realize that they either have to adapt and get on board with kind of a new way of looking at the world, and, and in many cases reinvent their supply chains, or, or they're going to be the next blockbuster. And, um, and so, uh, you know, I think it's, it's really interesting. I, I was at a, um, actually a conference just a couple of weeks ago for, uh, freight forwarders in in Singapore and, um, uh, nearly three quarters of the workshops for these forwarders were about e-commerce, right? This is an industry that is, you want to talk about a kind of a, um, uh, an industry that has been very heavily, a manually driven and, you know, non-technology driven. It, it's, it's the forwarding industry. The really good companies, of course, have figured out how to harness technology, but, but it's still very much a manual driven industry. And suddenly now they're confronted with this, this, uh, this dynamic of e-commerce and, and they're all trying to figure out how do we, how do we adapt to that? How do we reinvent ourselves in such a way that we can be uh, not just relevant, but we can thrive in this kind of this new economy. So, macro optimization isn't the only answer to this, but it's an important aspect of how you can sort of tap into what's happening in the market and, 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 and be uh, a proponent of change and be, you know, sort of riding along with it as opposed to trying to stand in front of it and stop it and frankly, just, uh, just get steamrolled. So we really believe, and I think what we're starting to see is that, that the market is changing and this idea of a macro network is, is really, um, you know, kind of the next level of, of opportunity in our space. I think if you go back and look at our industry, the supply chain technology industry, it's gone through really, I would argue, two major uh, evolutions over the last 30 years. And I, I'm firmly convinced we're on the verge of the third one. And, and I think the, the concept of a, of a network, the global trade network that brings in all the suppliers and the 
providers of service, whether they're forwarders, carriers, logistics companies, what have you, bringing them all together in a, in a really unique way is, is really going to be the next change that we see in, in a, significant, a significant change in our industry. Well, I mean, obviously, I've been a big proponent of the, uh, the, the network model for, for a long time. So I'm, I'm you know, excited by the, uh, the, the changes that are going on in the industry and, and the momentum behind you know, the, these models. I, I love the Netflix and, and Blockbuster example. And I think to take it a step further, Net, Netflix, if you remember, you know, they started out by mailing DVDs, right? Yep. And they quickly disrupted themselves or tried to disrupt themselves. Well, they did when they launched their online streaming service. And if uh, I, I follow that market a little bit because a friend of mine is, is really involved in that market. And uh, Wall Street and, and customers initially, you know, killed them because they, they um, were going to shut down the DVD service. So they increased that price significantly because they say, you know what, this DVDs are going to go the way of the dinosaur too. We got to disrupt ourselves and everything's going to be online streaming. And uh, anyway, they had to kind of turn... I think they were they were moving too quickly on that front. They had to kind of dial it back a little bit, but that was a few years ago already. You look sure. at Netflix today, and yeah. all of their growth is online streaming and the number of online subscribers. And, That's right. And the, the mailing through the DVDs is kind of a dead model. That's uh, right. So even they themselves kind of continue to, to disrupt themselves. So I think they're a good example of what we in the logistics industry kind of need to look at and, and recognize that that kind of rapid change is is coming to our industry as well. Um, yeah, Doug, we're running out of time here, so I'm just going to go right to my, my last question here. I mean, so, so kind of to, to net it all out, I mean, what, you know, action should, you know, shippers, companies, you know, take today to start enabling macro optimization? Yeah, I think it, you know, the first thing is, is kind of a, a recognition that this, this is not just a, a fantasy anymore, that this is a reality that is attainable. And to start getting serious about the concept, I think it's important to engage with your suppliers. It's important to engage with, frankly, uh, you know, competitors in some cases who may be moving the same directions that you're moving, may have, again, you may be in a situation where you're trying to outbid each other for the same, the same assets. So I think there's a, I think the first step is just to recognize and come to grips with the fact that this is uh, really, this is, this is the new norm and it's something that you really have to be ready to, to dive into. Um, so once you, once you sort of get acclimated to the concept, um, then I think it's a, it, it really becomes a matter of starting to evaluate top to bottom. Are you able to do this? You know, it's, it's one thing to say, yeah, we want to do it and to talk about it and have it be a theory. It's another thing to actually be able to pull it off. Um, and so I think the, the, the very next step is to start look at your, certainly your processes, but also your technology. Do you have a technology today in place that is very siloed? Is, is very disconnected from a network or is it, is it connected to a network where you could actually start to, to, to pull this off? Um, and, you know, and it's not, it's not about just the technology. I mean, this, certainly the technology is the power to make it happen, but it's really a way of thinking that has to change. And so if you, if you don't get past that first step and sort of reorienting the, reorienting the thinking process, then, uh, then the technology is not going to do anything for you. So I think, I think you have to start there and, and, and it does involve collaboration. It involves collaboration with your partners, with perhaps some competitors. Um, and then, and then of course with your technology providers to make sure that, that, that the technology itself is able to pull it off once you've decided to, to, to make the jump. Great. Great. Yeah. I think, you know, changing, changing that mindset and, and starting to walk the talk on collaboration, uh, you know, that, that's been talked about for so many years, I think is, uh, it's certainly a, a good starting point. 
Uh, well, Doug, uh, again, uh, like I always say, we, we managed to scratch the surface. I'm glad we, uh, you know, got that, the opportunity to talk again uh, today to kind of dive a little bit deeper on this topic of macro optimization. And uh, certainly, you know, hopefully you'll be able to come back in the program later this year and kind of see how things have uh, progressed in the, in the weeks and months ahead. I look forward to it. Thanks again for having me. Great. Uh, I want to thank those of you who joined us today. Uh, if you're watching this episode on demand, uh, either at the uh, Blue Jay Solutions website or on Talking Logistics, and you've got a question for Doug, uh, you can post a question there, and I'm sure that'll be, he'll be more than happy to respond via that medium. Again, thank you all for joining us today and look forward to seeing you in a future episode of Talking Logistics. Have a great day.